Let us pray. It's Father's Day. And Lord, the saddest thing is that so many people in this world do not know who their real father is. The sad thing is that many times people are disappointed in you because they had really bad fathers. Because they can't associate with the father in the Bible because of a father that mistreated them. But thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit that will break through all of these barriers to remind people that you are different. That you are the one that is God, full of love, full of grace, full of kindness. The definition of love we will never understand. The little bit that we understand of it, of it is nothing in comparison to what you have for us. Even Paul wrote and said, and John wrote about, wrote about this, that you said that you may give your, your life for a friend, but for an enemy? And Lord, when you died, people were your enemies. But you died for us. That should let us know how much our Father loves us. So on this Father's Day, we come to you, our Lord and our God, and we recognize who you are for us. And we thank you for all that we receive out of your hand. And as we continue in this series now, I ask, O Lord, that you will use the words I need to say, that we may grow in our understanding of who you are and what you want to give us. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, uh, a month or so ago, I told you that I'm going to do this series that's, re series that's re really loosely based on this book, uh, the, the Discipline of... Celebration of Discipline, thank you very much. Um, now, Todd is teaching this class on Sunday morning, so if you want to know this book really well, go to the Sunday school class. It starts at 9.15 on Sunday morning. I'm just sort of taking bits of pieces out of every chapter, and I'm preaching, preaching um, sort of on it. So this will give you an idea. Well, how did I get there? I need, my, I need my, uh, my sermon back, please. There you go. So my series is still closer to God, a celebration of discipline, the inward disciplines I already preached about. Those were to be with God. In the book, it's medical, uh, med biblical meditation. Talking with God, that's prayer, time and space for God. Fasting is to place time and space aside for God. And then learning about God to study. We did all of this. Now we are busy with the outward action, sort of the, the outward disciplines. So the first four has to do with stuff that I need to do to grow closer to God. And then the other things is what I need to do now that I am closer to God to help other people get closer God. And I'm busy with this one, to see what God sees, simplicity. I started last week, we will be busy with it today, and I think we will end, uh, not today, but that's all good. You'll, you'll, you'll discover this soon. So last week I started by telling you that if you visit a foreign country, a different land, you will discover all of these differences. Differences that are sometimes profound. Sometimes it's subtle, but sometimes it's really big. Even greeting people may be somewhat different. Um, Joshua sits there, is from Japan. And uh, we were in Japan many years ago. And the interesting thing is, you know this, Japanese people bow deeply before you as a greeting. And we stretch out our hand and want to say hi. That's how we, we would like to greet. But for them, it's different. America is strange. I came here from South Africa 
I walked into a place, and there was a guy standing there, and I said to him, good morning. And he said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm so glad you're asking. I'm doing fine, and my family is good, and whatever. And he looked at me as if I'm crazy. I later on discovered that how you're doing, how you're doing is just saying hi. I would like to stop and have a conversation, and these guys ran because you know, that's what they want. They don't want to know. And recently, last week, again, I said to a guy, hi, and he said, how are you doing? And I thought, Ferdy, don't answer the question. Don't answer that question. That's not what he wants to know. He wants to know nothing about you at this point. So we discover all of these differences, but what we also discovered is that all of us that are followers of Jesus actually migrated uh, we actually moved to a foreign land, a, a different land, a land that is all around us. And I want to read this. The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is, now I said last week, it's like air that surrounds us. You can't breathe if there's no air, and we can't live without the kingdom of God. And I said last week that this kingdom surrounds us Everywhere where we go and wherever we are, the kingdom of God is there. It's just invisible. But it's a different land. And you and I are actually part of this land, even though we can't see, feel, or touch it. Then I reminded you last week that then there are all of these breakthrough moments. Now, I used the example last week of the wind that starts to blow. Air, as, as it's still, you won't know it's here, but the moment when wind starts to blow, it's air that moves, you know that there's something that's really actively here. Same with God. His kingdom sometimes breaks through. The kingdom, his kingdom breaks through where the word of God is proclaimed. In the Old Testament, when the word of God came to the people and lives were changed and prayers were answered, that's the kingdom of God showing itself. Miracles. Jesus. If you read the story of Jesus ever again, you must see this as the most important breakthrough moment of God's kingdom in this world because there is the kingdom of God, actually the representative standing among people proclaiming the kingdom of God is here, is near. And for the first time, since Adam and Eve, God is standing on this earth among people, visible. You can hear him. And people could touch him. I'm talking about Jesus now. So every single human on this planet, wherever they are, if they believe in God or not, are actually trespassers. <laughs> because we are all actually living in the kingdom of God, because God is the one that owns everything. So even though his kingdom is invisible, everything that we see around us is part of his kingdom. The visible and the invisible all belongs and is owned by God. And in a sense, when people say, I don't believe there's a God, I don't care for this God, they are actually, in a sense, trespassing into this land of God because they are not recognizing the owner of the property that we are using. That's all I, some of the stuff I, I shared last week. But then there's the offer of God. God says, my kingdom surrounds you, but the fact that my kingdom surrounds you does not mean that you have the benefits of this kingdom if you do not align yourself with my kingdom. And I used the example that was at the end of my sermon last week. I said a number of people, when they move from a foreign country to America, they try to ignore America. 
They tried to build at their homes and with their family circle. They tried to just rebuild what they had at home. So they never learned to speak their language. They never really um, uh, honored the flag. And, and in a sense, they miss out on the benefits of what this country can bring them because they are not assimilating. They're not becoming part of this new land. I remember when we became citizens, they played a message from the president. I think it was the second Bush, not the first Bush, the second one, George. And I, I will never forget, when they, when they played this message for us, and we stood there, you know, and we, we had our certificates and whatever, he said, you know, being a citizen of America means that you actually are, you actually own a lot of property. Not physically that you can take it, but you own a lot of property. You can live wherever you want in America. You can go and live in Minnesota. You can live in Florida. You can live in Hawaii. You can live on the islands. You can live anywhere because you are now a citizen in this country, and it's, it's yours to enjoy and all the benefits of being American. Now, I always jokingly said to my friends in South Africa, I have no fear of travel anymore because if there's a problem, the SWAT team or whatever, these guys will come and come and save us. <laughs> they, they will come with a helicopter and they'll go, you're an American, let's take you home. Yeah, I hope it works like that. But Okay, I believe it. They will come and get us. That's how it should be. So we have this invitation that we can become citizens of the kingdom of heaven and then actually have the benefits of what God wants to give us. The Lord said, repent, the kingdom of God is here. So here the Lord comes and He gives us the key. That is the thing that most people struggle with the most. How do I know I am saved? How do I know I'm in the kingdom of God? What is it that I need to do? What, what is it that's asked of me? And the Lord, in the sense, in that, in that um, uh, one-sentence sermon, gave us all the answers. To be saved means that you need to know who God is. You need to turn to God. You need to seek God. You need to get to a point in your life where you say there's no other option. There must be someone different that can actually give the answer to the questions that I do not have answers to. Um, to see God in a sense, and I said this last week that Jesus is standing there, and you need to see Jesus to come to to receive actually what God wants you to have. And then to seek the answers from Him. That is what God wants to offer us. He wants to offer us life here. He wants to help us to get through life. God actually wants us to be okay in this world that is broken by us. God is the one that actually wants to give us direction and purpose. God wants to give us all these things that people are desperately seeking for. God actually wants to help to restore us in our relationships with Him, with others, with this world, but also with ourselves. The four relationships that were completely compromised by sin and the brokenness thing that we ourselves caused. But how do I do this? I need to turn to God, and that's why Jesus said repent. And repent means actually that I need to focus on God. And I would say to myself, but when I wake up in the morning, my day is not about what is important to me anymore, but it's important to what is important for the kingdom of God. Because there's this giving away of myself when I recognize who Christ is and who God is. Then I will receive the blessings. And all of this is in, under the word faith. The word faith means to do two things. To make a decision that God is my God and to secondly then have this relationship with this God that actually came to me and says, Hey Ferdy, I just want to ask, how are you doing? But he actually means it when he asks it. 
When God comes and asks me, Ferdy, how are you doing? He actually wants me to answer that question. Because that's why he's here. Now we sit here and we say, okay, I believe in Jesus. And I can proclaim to you what the Lord said. The moment when you believe in Jesus, then you are a child of God. That's what the Bible teaches, teaches me. Now I step into this kingdom. I'm now a member of this kingdom of God. What does it mean to be a member of the kingdom of God? That's the second question you need to ask because in a sense, when I, before I got married, you know, all my friends gave me all this advice. The guys that I have not yet, did not yet get married, they had the best advice. Uh, um, as one guy said, you know, marriage counseling is to go and fix the things you would have never had if you were not married. Okay. <laughs> right. But then the guys who were married always had all of these little bits of advice, and they were like married for six months. You know, oh, you need to know this. Okay, cool. You see, the moment when you get married, you know your life is going to change. Isn't that what marriage means? My wife and I lived separately. We, were, we dated for seven years, and now we're going to be together. We're going to actually move in after our wedding day together into a place, and we knew our life is going to be completely different. We have to figure it out, and we are trying to get some answers and some advice and whatever. And that's the same. The moment when you say, Jesus, I give my life to you, God says, welcome, your life is going to change. Oh, how? You're going to have a king, number one. You're going to have a king. You, you see, the problem is that the Jews knew exactly what this meant. The people of the old time exactly, knew exactly what the word kingdom meant and what it meant to have a king. You can't vote a king out. You can't fire a king. And you don't vote a king in or out. A king is appointed. It's someone that you inherit if you are born into a kingdom. You hear that my king is King David. Fantastic! King David is our king. And the purpose of King David in Israel or Judah was actually then to protect the people. So he went and he built up an army. He said, I will protect you guys because I am your king. I will make sure that we will have a land that's okay. And that's why the Israelis are still so adamant to protect themselves. They've always been under attack. And it seems to me until the second coming of Christ, Israel will be in trouble. It's part of the biblical story that continues there. Just different weapons. But David said, I need to protect this poor group of people that God gave me. That's part of being a king, a good king. A king also says, I'm here to provide for you guys, so I need to make sure there's water. And they started to build the Sulem Tunnel. That's a tunnel that actually brought water to Jerusalem because they knew if they had an army around them and they were besieged, they will not have water. So they started to provide for these folks what they needed that they could live. That's exactly what God says. God says, I'm the God that wants to protect you, man. I want to put my arms around you that you are okay in this world and you will survive. That's in a sense what the dad also is supposed to do, isn't it? Not only protect, but provide. God says, I will give you what you need because I want you to be okay. That is the God you and I believe in. It's a God that wants us to be successful. Every single parent in this building, I believe, at some point looked at their children and said, I really wish my children would be okay one day. And I'll try my best that my children will be, be doing well in this world because that's the only thing I can give to my child as a parent is to give them the tools that they can live in this world that's so complicated and difficult. 
I do not really know, except if you get horrible, horrible evil people that will stand in the way of their children's future and not want the best for them. Why would God want to harm, harm you or me as his children? Why would he ever want to harm us? Then people come to me and say, why did God do this? And they're angry with God. And I said, the God that you are now talking about is not my God because my God is weeping with you and me for what has happened here, if it's a sad situation. Because this is not what my God wants. But we live in a world that's so broken that God sometimes will allow certain things to happen because this world needs to play out. But Jesus wept as we weep with us. But the king is supposed to lead also, and that's what David did. They had to lead people where? They had to lead people to a place where they could restore and have a good relationship with the God that appointed the king. So if you go to the Old Testament, you will find there are numerous names of kings in the book of Chronicles and Kings. And then the Bible would say, and this was a good king. This was a bad king. This was a good king that followed the steps of his father that was a good king. This was a bad king that followed the steps of his dad that was a bad king. And what made them good or bad? If they respected God, if they gave God the glory and they sought the will of God in their kingdom. And you can go and look, all the kings that were good, that were seeking the will of God, they actually did amazing because why will God not bless people that are seeking His will? Now the king we have is the God of all. He's the God with the word and the God with everything that's only good. And this God says, I want to bless you. But remember, a king owns all. And the king's word is the law. God knew that earthly kings would disappoint us. And at some point, God said, I do not want you guys to have an earthly king because I am your king. And I will do all of these things and I will do it properly because I am God. But then the people came and they said, but we want a king. We want a king. And eventually God said, well, if you want a king, let me tell you, you can have a king. The first king was Saul. He said, but this is what's going to happen with you guys if you have an earthly king. These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons, appoint him to his chariots and to, to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, some to plow his grounds and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. That is not what God wants. But that's what happens with an earthly king. They enslave. So when the people in the time of Jesus heard that the kingdom of God is near, a lot of them started to tremble and fear because they understood that the kingdom could be this, where you are constantly losing. When Christ came, he said, you will constantly be winning. You see, there's a difference between the kingdom of God and these earthly kingdoms because the kingdom of God is actually a kingdom where we are given an inheritance. 
Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. That's the amazing thing. The kingdom has a king, and this king is my dad. This king is my dad. And your dad. Our father actually provides for us what we need. You know, um, try your best to get to uh, the White House. You won't get in. Drive up to D.C. and just start walking towards the White House and tell all the guys in your way, I want to speak to the president. I think he's got it or hasn't got it. I don't want you to say, but let's see if you can get in. There's no way. There's no way. But there's one person that can walk towards the White House and say, I want to get in. And they will open every single gate and every single door. Who's that person? Even if he's not well-dressed. Even if he's a bit smelly because he was maybe running down the streets. Who is this person? The child of the president that lives in the White House. No questions asked. Hey, John is here. Welcome back. You went for a run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see my dad. Go. Go. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, is that your dad says, <laughs> the door is open. My, my son unlocked this door with his blood when he died on the cross that you can come in and you can call me dad. And if your earthly dad disappointed you, I will never disappoint you. If your earthly dad didn't provide for you in the way that you thought he should, I will because I'm a way better dad than any dad can be. I want to give you the best because you're my child. And this is what the Bible teaches us. Blessed be the God of our Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith. You know what the coolest thing is? I'm not going to receive the kingdom of heaven one day, or enter into the kingdom of God one day. I'm already in it. And you are in it. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that's what Paul comes and writes about the whole book of Romans. He says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you won't inherit there. You already, already inherit here. You already are receiving what God wants you to have. And therefore, I believe with all my heart, if you live close to God, you believe in Him, you try to follow Him, you will experience one thing that the world will never have. Peace. Peace. I had a conversation with my daughter about the situation in Greenville uh, with this friend of hers that got killed. And she said to me, you can immediately see there are two groups of people that were attending the ceremonies on Thursday and then also yesterday. She said, the family of this woman that got killed are deeply faithful people. And then a number of friends on this end are deeply faithful Christian people. Then on the other hand, the family of the husband, are not committed to any religion, we think. She says that it is as clear as daylight how they suffer, how they struggle, how they have no idea, and all of the others. Even though it's so hard to lose your best friend or your daughter or whatever. Have this peace, 
that the world can't understand. With tears in their eyes, they can stand next to a road and have peace. Because that is what God offers for His children. Because He knows that this world is difficult. He knows that this world is painful and it's hard. And, and we are not going to enjoy it in the way that we wanted to. And like a dad saying, come and sit on my lap. I will hold you. I will keep you tight. I will tell you it's going to be okay. God is telling this to you and to me. You see, there's a picture. Yesterday, all of the people went to the spot where this girl was killed. It was a huge cycle event. At that moment, around the sun, there was a rainbow, a circle rainbow. She sent me the picture. She says, Dad, look at this. I said, yeah, God is sending all of you a message. The rainbow has always been a sign of God's promise to say, I've got it. I've got it. Even if you don't understand, I've got it. And I believe for all of the pain and hardship there, God just said, it's okay, I've got it. The other group did not understand it. They didn't get it. All the others, when they saw the rainbow, started weeping because they knew. The others said, oh, rainbow. They knew because of the promise of God to Noah. This will not happen again. Salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And that's the promise. God says, I walk with you. But the journey is starting here and it will end at some point when my doors will be flung open and you will stand with me and be at this banquet where we will celebrate life and everything. I need to end again. Uh, the stupid clock at the back doesn't want to stop. Um, I've asked our tech people to um, work on it. So let's make a deal here today. I knew this sermon was going to take three, uh, this series, this short piece is going to take three sermons. So I'm going to do like four or five minutes and I'm done. Danny is preaching next Sunday. Of course, it will be his last Sunday here. So I will continue this then the last Sunday, actually on the 4th of July weekend. And I'm stretching this a little bit, man, because it's going to be fantastic on the 4th of July, on a Sunday, to preach the last part of the kingdom of God and seeking it. And what does that really mean? Whatever. Now you know where I'm heading. So if I stop in the middle, it's just amen, you know what. <laughs> you neglected the rock we begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. Why? No, I shouldn't do this. Why would people reject God? You know, it's like having the best dad, the best possible dad that loves you so much and just hugs you and provides you and then you turn your back on him and you walk away. And I can tell you three or four stories of people that this happened with. There's a family where this dad, I've not yet seen a dad and a mom that are so compassionate to serve their child and he turned his back on them and he left. And he's done everything what he could to break their hearts. And I know this family good enough. I saw this child grow up with him. That did nothing to cause any harm or hurt in this child's life. The only thing they wanted to give him was a life, the best possible life, and they had even resources. This guy, this guy decided to leave, his, to leave them. I think he's currently almost living underneath a bridge, eating uh, government cheese. Because he, that's where he should be now. He's got nothing. Nothing, and he could have had whatever he wanted almost. Because he wanted to do his own thing. I want to be my own God. I want to have what I want to have. 
and do with what I have how I want to do with it. I think he has written off four cars, two motorbikes, reckless. And one right in front of our building here one day. And I walked out here, heard this huge crash, went out, and this thing is upside down. This kid calls out. I say, what are you doing? I came around the corner a little bit quicker. I said, if there was a car in that old corner or someone standing there. Well, the parents came weeping. What have you done? What have you done again? And his whole attitude is, I don't care. This is the world we live in. We've got a God that actually cares, that gives, that says, oh, come to me, man. And then we say, oh, no, no, I like myself and what I have and what I want to do with it. And I want to do what I want to do in life. And I want to just serve this culture because I think this culture is way better than God is. And I just want to live life for itself. The arrogance of mankind to reject this God that loves us so much. And then I'll end with this. And then lastly, for today. The sad thing is that, and then you find people that say, okay, okay, I, I accept God, but we need to go negotiate a little bit. Come on, come on, come on. You know, I, I, you know, God, I like you, but you, it's great if you can be just a pet in the backyard. You know, um, with respect, a lot of people have a pet. And not all people, you know, are, you know, well, I don't know. But we had pets, and, but our pets were, our dogs were in the back, backyard in South Africa. We had a huge fence around our backyard and they were running out, barking, doing anything. And then in the afternoons, I would take my dogs or in the morning for a run. And sometimes in the afternoon when we had time, we would play with the dogs. But otherwise, they were just there. They were there to play with the kids. They were there to bark when there was something that is sort of upsetting them or maybe a danger. God, that's fantastic for you to, with respect, be just there. If I have time, I'll go with a run, on a run with you. God, God, if I have time, I'll, I'll play with your respect a little bit. But man, I'm busy. I've got stuff to do here, man. I need to move them out. I need to raise my kids. I need to work. I need to run the church, Lord. I don't have time for you, but you in the background. Let's negotiate how much time you will have in my life. And God looks at me and he says, where do you think your time comes from? It comes from me. I give you what you've got. And you want to negotiate with me what I gave you. God, let's talk about your will. You know, these 10 suggestions I like. No, it's not suggestions, it's commandments. God, no, I think it's suggestions. So let's talk about this. You know, in the year 2021, oh, how can you say all of these things? How can you ask of us in 21, 2021 still to do these things? And God says, I'm God, I'm king. Shut up. I know it's the best for you. God, I do not know why you're taking me on this journey. I don't trust this journey. And because I don't trust this journey, I'm going to veer away from you in my obedience and in my commitment because I don't think you've got a clue what you're doing. How many people have walked away because they do not trust the direction that God is taking us? Believe in God. So on the one hand, people say, I don't have anything to do with God. Then on the other hand, okay, God's cool. <laughs> but we are going to negotiate. The kingdom of heaven with a king who owns it all, who knows it all. It's time to trust Him with all you have. Amen.